Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. And so my mother or grandmother didn't try to call me to the ministry. In fact, they didn't say much about it at all until after I had dedicated and consecrated myself to do the will of God. And then they said, well, we knew that always. I said, how did you know it? They said, well, because you always said that as a little bitty boy. See, further back than what I can remember, they said you'd always say, I'm going to be a preacher after you got old enough, you know, to talk clearly. But said when you were just a little tiny thing, couldn't even talk plain. Somebody had asked my oldest brother, what are you going to be when you grow up? Well, he had high ambitions. He's either going to be a cowboy or uh, a truck driver. So he made a little bit of both of me wearing cowboy boots and drives a truck. And so, <laughs> and so he'd tell him, you see, he was going to be a cowboy. That was his first choice, you know, but, and second was to be a truck driver. And they wouldn't ask me because they, you know, they thought I was too little to know. And mama and grandma said that I'd always speak up and say, I'm a preacher. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Today we continue this series, The Gifts and Callings of God by Kenneth E. Hagan. Stay tuned as we listen to this powerful, timeless teaching. Also, later in today's program, I'll give you the details on this month's special offer. Right now, here's Kenneth E. Hagan's classic message. If Jesus was to come today, you might not make it. That thought never occurred to me. I think one thing about it was that on the bed of affliction as a boy... I got into the Bible and lived in the Word of God long enough to get that Word implanted into my spirit and into my heart and into my inner man. And it gave me an inward conviction and an inward assurance and an inward confirmation that only the Word of God can give. And many people are trying to seek for that inward conviction and that inward confirmation and that inward something elsewhere, but you can't get it any other place except by building the Word of God into your heart and into your spirit. Praise the Lord. Now then, I know when I was a little boy, my mother and my grandmother told me, now they didn't try to call me to preach. And certainly we shouldn't try to call anybody to preach. I know as a pastor, and I pastored another 12 years, I knew in my own spirit that God had his hand on certain individuals, even in my own congregations, you see, calling them to the ministry or to preach. But I never did tell them that. I waited till they were convinced in their own spirit, and then I confirmed what they had. But I never told them till after they responded to that. I knew that in my own spirit about my own son. And my wife knew it. But neither one of us would ever say a word to him or even encourage him to, to get into the ministry or to follow that until after he made his own commitment. And then we confirmed what he had. We let him make that up in his own spirit and know in his own heart. Because like I said to him, now if you did something because I told you to do it, when you get out here and the going gets hard and you know the crisis and the test and the trials of life comes to all of us. None of us are immune to them. But then you're going to say, well, maybe God didn't call me. I just did that because Dad said so. Then you're going to be ready to give up. But if you have that inward conviction and that inward assurance in your own spirit, you're going to be ready to fight the thing through. Praise God. And so my mother or grandmother didn't try to call me to the ministry. In fact, they didn't say much about it at all until after I had dedicated and consecrated myself to do the will of God. And then they said, well, we knew that always. I said, how did you know it? 
They said, well, because you always said that as a little bitty boy. See, further back than what I can remember, they said you'd always say, I'm going to be a preacher after you got old enough, you know, to talk clearly. But said when you were just a little tiny thing, couldn't even talk plain. Somebody had asked my oldest brother, what are you going to be when you grow up? Well, he had high ambitions. He's either going to be a cowboy or uh, a truck driver. <laughs> so he made a little bit of both of them. He wears cowboy boots and drives a truck. And so, <laughs> and so he'd tell them, you see, he's going to be a cowboy. That was his first choice, you know. But, and second was to be a truck driver. And they wouldn't ask me because they, you know, they thought I was too little to know. And Mama and Grandma said that I'd always speak up and say, I'm a preacher. I was trying to say, I'm going to be a preacher, you see. Uh, I don't even remember it as far back. But they'd say, you'd always say, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. What I was trying to say was that I'm going to be a preacher. I'm a preacher. You know, they didn't ask me what you're going to be when you grow up. And then I can remember, you know, just as a boy, just very small, four years old, three and a half years old, four years old, four and a half years old, five years old, I used to get out in Grandpa's garden and preach to the cabbage heads. <laughs> Man, I'd just preach up and down, you know, those rows, he'd have at least two rows of cabbage, rows pretty long, you see. But Granny would put up cabbage every way you could put it up, you know, in those days. People did a lot of canning, we didn't have beef preaching. And so... I, I would preach to those cabbage heads. I about decided I've got a few cabbage heads here today I'm preaching to. <laughs> Amen. Now, the reason I said that is for this simple reason, that, you know, I'd preach to those cabbage heads, and I don't know what I said, but I said something. I'd just preach up a storm, and, and they never would even change the expression. <laughs> well, I know now you're not a cabbage. Just then I saw somebody never change the expression during this whole meeting until I said that. So I know you're not a cabbage head, so, because I saw you change your expression. How many preachers we got here? Well, I'm sure that sometimes you thought you was preaching to cabbage heads, didn't you? You know, those cabbage heads never said amen one single time. They never changed the expression, just, just, just the same. And so I'd get tired preaching to the cabbage heads, and then I'd go over and preach to the bean vines a while. And then in the wintertime, when it was cold and didn't have any garden, I'd go down to the barn, climb up in the loft, and preach to the bales of hay. And, and so, you know, if that calling's there, it's just there. Amen. Praise God. And you just might as well go ahead and respond to it and obey it. And then you're better off and, and everybody will be better off as far as that's concerned. Well, I know this much. That just because the calling of God is upon our spirits. We may not be able to differentiate at the moment just exactly what that calling is. Or what some phase of the ministry that God wants us to be in. We may obey the call but then miss it because we drop back into the natural and just do something that somebody else is doing. Say, well, if I'm, gonna, if I'm called, I'd like to be a pastor. Well, that's well and good if God called you to pastor. But you know, the last church that I pastored, I had every reason in the world to be satisfied because really it was the best church that I had pastored in 12 years of pastoral work. And, and it was... Uh, I had the most money I ever had. I had the best pastors to live in that I'd, I'd lived in. We were the most comfortable physically and naturally speaking. 
And spiritually speaking, the church was doing all right because we had a history of the church and I went back and went over the records. Our Sunday school was larger than it had ever been in the history of the church. Our finances were larger than it had ever been in the history of the church. The crowds were coming. The building was comfortably filled and people were being saved all along and filled with the Spirit and healed. But I was dissatisfied on the inside of me. And so I remember I just simply shut myself up in my church and would pray and wait on God sometimes for several days at the time. I'd say to my wife, now, now don't you disturb me. Our children were in school. We were on schedule. I know when the meals are prepared. And if I don't come out to eat, well, don't send the children out there. You just know I'm not eating. If some of the deacons come by, well, you just tell them I don't want to be disturbed. Only disturb me in the case of emergency. And I'd spend hours and sometimes days, never over three days at the time, of praying and fasting and waiting upon God. I've never fasted in my life over three days at a time. Now, someone asked me, he said, you believe in a long fast? Well, I said, I guess it'd be all right if it's necessary. But uh, you ought to have something that you're praying about and seeking God about, not just be doing something because somebody said do it or somebody else did it. And I always got my answer someday the first day, never over three days. And so when I get my answer, well, then I stop because I've got whatever I went after, you see. And so on the, the Lord spoke to me as I waited before him. As I walked up and down the, the, the aisles of the sanctuary of my church and prayed, as I read the Bible around the altar and waited on my knees, the Lord said to me, as I was talking to him one day, about what, what is this dissatisfaction in my spirit? From the natural standpoint, I've ever reason the world to be satisfied. And I enumerated to him what I've said to you. But uh, why is this, uh, why is on the inside of me I'm dissatisfied? And just as plain as somebody speaking to you, it was all in here, not out here, but on the inside of me, in my spirit, not inward voice. He said, the reason is I never did call you to pastor to begin with. Well, I said, Lord, that's why I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you, you see, just to find out what you want to do. He said, no, you're not waiting on me. I've been waiting on you for 10 years. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think we're waiting on God and really he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to make the consecration. He's waiting on us to make the dedication that he wants us to make. And you know, the Lord took me back to some things that he had said to me 10 years before and said, what are you going to do about that? And I talked to the Lord just like I talked to anybody else. I had a fellow one time with me in, in meetings Back in the early days of the, uh, of, the, of the healing revival here in America, we were holding a meeting in a certain city, in a city auditorium, some larger meetings, and he was the campaign director. And I overheard him saying to somebody, he said, you know that fellow Hagin prays the funnest of anybody ever heard in my lifetime. He said he'll talk just like he's holding a conversation. And he'll listen, he'll talk, and he'll listen. And he said, I, I started to his room and I heard him talking. I thought somebody's in the room. So I stood at the door and listened and said he'd talk for a while. He'd answer yes and no, and then he'd talk and said, I never did hear anybody else talking to him. I thought, well, he's bound to be talking to somebody because he's having a conversation. So he said, I opened the door and peeped in. He's sitting in the middle of the floor with his eyes shut talking to the Lord. I said, well, the Lord is more real to me than anybody I know anyhow. Why shouldn't I have a conversation with him? Praise the Lord. And so I just talked to him just as plain as I do anybody. He said to me, what are you going to do about what I said to you 10 years ago? I said, Lord, I wasn't really planning on doing anything about that. 
He said, well, you're going to have to or else. I said, well, I believe I will. <laughs> Amen. I believe I'll just do something about that. Praise God. And so, as I waited before the Lord, I had the leading in my own spirit because he had said to me, I never did call you to pastor to begin with. So then I thought my limited reasoning and limited Bible knowledge at the moment of 1947, I thought that you're either a pastor or evangelist and that was the extent of ministry. So therefore, he wants me to be an evangelist without asking any further questions. I just got ready to go out on the evangelistic field. So I went out on the evangelistic field. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Call now to get this month's special offer, The Destiny Package, featuring the books, I Cannot Be Defeated and I Will Not Quit, and How to Fulfill Your Divine Destiny, both by Ken Hagan. Plus, The Gifts and Callings of God, Three CDs by Kenneth E. Hagan. All three resources for just $34.95. Call now, 1-888-FAITH-99. Don't delay. Get this powerful destiny package today. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. Or if you prefer, write Kenneth Hagan Ministries. Our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma. 74150. Don't forget, for faster service, order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagan. You can watch the Rhema Praise video, their podcast there. The radio is there on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, all kinds of these uh, Rhema Praise programs services. are, are archived. Our mm-hmm. church services are archived there. You can so, watch us on Roku. Yeah, or you can join yeah. us live on the Internet That's every right. Sunday at 10 a.m., 7 p.m. on Sunday night and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. You can get these. Just go to rhema.org slash media. That's right. And they're all find everything, out everything there. about us. Tomorrow on Rhema for Today, we continue with the teaching by Kenneth E. Hagan, The Gifts and Callings of God. Thanks for listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan.